Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, November 13th, 2022, called Bearing a New Name, Saul, given by Pastor Jonathan Dinger. The scripture passage today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 10 and 17. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul. So there's a sermon outline. If you, if you want to jot notes down here on Saul, we're going to talk about Saul. I'm going to goof this up about 20 times, so please forgive me. I'm going to call him Paul and Saul, and call, so forgive me. In this particular one, he really is Saul. Let me give you the little history on that. His name isn't changed to Paul until the first missionary journey. That's a number of years later than this instance. And he takes the name Paul for a gospel witness purpose. He's on the island of Cyprus, and the governor's name is Paulos, Paul. And he takes the governor's name in a hope to convert him to Christianity. There you go. Little known facts you didn't care about or want to know. God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours in Jesus. Chapter 8 of Acts precedes 9, obviously, but it has the story of Saul here, too. Here, hear these words. So the first martyr of the church is Stephen. That's my brother's name, Stephen. So he's the first martyr of the church. He bears witness to Christ as Lord and God and Savior. The Jews infuriated Jewish leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, stone him to death. That was the penalty according to the Old Testament law for idolatry, blasphemy, executed him. Horrible way to die. And Paul was zealous about it. He was the coat holder. He held everybody's coats while they were warming up their pitching arms. That was the deal. It starts like this. Saul was there giving approval to Stephen's death. On that day, that very day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem and all except the apostles, right, the 11 that were left, not 12 because Judas is gone, 11, all of them were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Sometimes we forget to read that passage. Immediately after Stephen's execution, Paul is like foaming at the mouth. We're going to get these people. Then you you have this interlude where these scattered disciples are now doing some work outside of Jerusalem. You can see how God uses even persecution to spread the gospel. They were scattered like seed and the gospel went with them. But then you get to chapter 9. Meanwhile... Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Isn't that something, that sentence? Breathing out murderous threats. You can almost see him pacing the house. We're going to get these guys. How dare they? We're going to get them. They deserve to die. We're going to get them. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any any there in Damascus who belonged to the way. Now, that's how the Christians were called. They're not called Christians for a little while. That comes out of the city of Antioch. They're called followers of the way. Why? Jesus says, I am the? Right. 
So I am the way, the truth, and the life. So they are followers of the way. If you found any there who belong to the way, whether men or women, there you get that again, men or women. It's noted, because that was unusual. To drag off women and imprison them, that was wrong. Even the Romans didn't do that, hardly at all. So he's really, they've got it in for us. They've got it in for us. Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And then he's on the way to Damascus. And there we get this scene. You know, I was looking for, I wanted to show you like a video clip, you know, to kind of illustrate this and kind of show you what I thought it could look like. And I must have watched for an hour yesterday. I could find nothing that I thought was adequate. Um, In one of them, it's cracked me up. Here's Paul on the road. He looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's, you know, this kind of bodybuilder guy, and he's not. He has glaucoma, and he's short of stature. We know some things about Paul. He was no physical specimen, um, but he was filled with passion and fury and anger, and he was stinking smart. He's brilliant and articulate. Um, and anyway, th- this one shows that he's on the road, and here comes Jesus, and it's like this. It's like he said, Jesus is going like, Saul, Saul. And I'm going, nah, there's no way. I think Jesus is ticked, personally. It comes off very personal. Saul, why do you persecute me? As a kid, when I first started reading that as a young man, I'm like, what the world? What the world? Um, so I had a hard time. And then you know what the best rendition I found? Was one my wife sang in. Are you familiar with All Northwest Choir? This is kind of geeky, fine art stuff. But all Northwest, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, and the part, I think it's Montana is included in that too. Maybe Alaska too. I think Alaska. Because my wife sang in it when she was in Alaska in high school. And so we have a, a record. You know what that is? <laughs> and so I remember when I, when, I, uh, when I was dating her, my wife is one of the most humble people you would ever, ever hope to meet. And I find this album in a stack of things, All Northwest Choir. I said, what's this? Oh, I was a choir I sang in. Well, I come to find out it's this huge deal. It's this big deal. I mean, it's like the all-star of, if you're into fine arts, right? You know, I mean, if you're into fine arts, it's awesome. So both our daughter and son sang in All-Northwest. So we put it on. I put it on. And the very first one is this, uh, The Conversion of Saul. And it's by, I think it's, he's Norwegian or Swedish or something. And it ha- it's very cool. They read those things I just read you. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. There's a rumble with all these voices. And then all of a sudden, the whole choir just goes, Saul! And I said, that's it. That's the one. Why do you persecute me? Jesus, it's like Jesus says, I'm in the road. You can go no farther. Not an inch farther. No farther. No more. You're done. What are you doing? And here's the thing. This is the reason. So i got four things I want to share with you from this text that I think speak, at least they spoke to me. I hope they bless you, even if just one does or something. It's very interesting. Paul isn't defensive at Saul, forgive me. Saul is not defensive or anything. It's not like, what do you mean? You're an idolater. You're a blasphemer. You're a false god, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say, Jesus says why, and Paul says who. Who are you? Who are you, Lord, Master? He wasn't acknowledging him as God yet, but as someone above him. Who are you? 
Here's the why Paul asked that. Because the seminal question for Jews was this. Who are you? Because if you are, in fact, the Son of Man that Daniel talks about, if you are the incarnate Son of God, if you are God in the flesh, if you are, in fact, God, that changes everything. If I am fighting against the Christ, the Messiah, i got to stop. And not just stop, but throw it into reverse. Dudes, how about you guys? You guys good about directions and stuff? I got to tell you some directions and driving stories. Okay, so, so we used to, Teresa and I used to go from Seattle to Coeur d'Alene all the time to make that drive. You can make it now. I could make it now in probably, I don't know, four hours. It used to take six hours. When I'm old enough to remember 55 mile an hour speed limits, okay? So it took forever. It took forever. But, and and my, I never wanted to stop at a rest area. Never. Like, never. Finally, my wife says, I got to stop. I had two cups of coffee. Come on. Boom. And I go, and I'm stopping. Finally, she, like, punches me, and I got to stop. And I'm pacing around, and she comes out of the rest, rest area, and she comes to me and says, what are you worried about? And I said, see all those cars? I passed all of them. <laughs> and then when you get there, it used to be, like, directions, right? People give you directions. And, and the worst directions, anybody with me on this? Some guy comes up, and it's always a dude. Oh, you go east for a mile and a half. And then you go northeast for about another five-tenths of a mile. And then you go directly southwest. And I go, the sun's not out. I don't know what you're talking about. What I need is this. Okay, go to the 7-Eleven, make a right. Then you go about five blocks and you see the house with the two great big oak trees on it. You make a left. That's my directions. Okay. Then we were in Germany. And those towns are stupid over there because no streets are straight. And I'm, I kind of actually, I'm probably like most dudes, I pride myself in my sense of direction. I, I think maybe I shouldn't have. Because I, I couldn't, and here's the weird thing, I didn't want to admit it. I didn't want to admit it, so I'm, lead, I'm the tour guy. I'm like the host, you know, oh, let's go. And so I'm walking, and then I find out I am walking in exactly the opposite direction. So now do I eat a bunch of crow and stop and turn around or do I pretend like I know what I'm doing and keep going? Which do you think it was? Yep, that's the one. So here's the thing. There are times in our life that call for not an adjustment but a complete reversal. Now I'm curious if you agree with me on this. this I put that in the confession because that speaks to me. There are times I want to go to God and say, I just want a course correction. Could you just give me a little nudge in the right direction? And I think what I hear often from God is, I don't do that. I don't do course corrections. I do transformations. Here's the problem, because I hang on to the old. And I want to do a little course correction, and the course correction doesn't work because I'm still hanging on to the old. Last week I preached on Lazarus, who, rose, who Jesus raised from the dead. And that one line in there is Jesus says, take off his grave clothes. And I'm still wearing some of mine. And so God, this is point number one. Saul is a great model. Because I think a lot of times we go, well, yeah, that was Saul. I mean, 
He was dragging men and women off to prison. That's not me. I just need an adjustment. And an adjustment means, when, and now again, I'm speaking some law to all of us. Please understand. Is sometimes it's like, God, I want you to do as little as necessary. Not as much as I need. That's the first thing. Paul is an example. Saul is an example of this in which it's true for all of us. God wants us. So here's my, here's my thought for you, prayer-wise, is for you to stop and to say, Lord, where do I need 180 degrees? Where do I need that? Where in my life is 180 degrees? Not just an adjustment, but 180 degrees. Second thing is this. So I told, kind of told you this before, but I got another reason to tell you this story. So in Portland, I would golf a lot, and I'd go and, and go by myself. And then they put three guys with you, or, or you know, three people with you. And you, hi, I'm Jonathan, Bill, whatever, you tee off. By about the third hole, you start saying what you do for a living. Hey, what do you do for work? You know, and they go, oh, I'm a plumber, you know, I'm a teacher. They get to me, oh, I'm the pastor at Bethlehem Lutheran. And they would go, oh, sorry. They would all apologize to me because their language had been so horrible for the first three holes. And I would say to them, it's okay, it's okay. I bartended for seven years. Yeah, yeah, he ain't said anything I ain't heard. But I would then say, but you know what, guys? You should come hear me sometime. So come, come to the church. See if I push you to sleep or see if it's, just, you just come. And this is what I got. Like every time, if I walked into the church, the church would fall down. Or God would strike me dead. Or, you know, something like that. And you know what I would say to them? As gently as I could say it, do you think God doesn't already know all about you? I mean, that's kind of insulting to God, isn't it? And yet, the joy of it is this. And yet, he's still inviting you. He might have put me in front of you today to invite you to come home and to know that you are welcome because God only welcomes sinners. If you're not a sinner, why bother? You don't need him. But if you need him, you're acknowledging that you're broken and can't heal yourself. And so the second thing that I want to do is Jesus calls out, Saul, by name. Unmistakable, not these other dudes with you, you buddy. And sometimes Jesus is doing that. Sometimes he's calling to us because he knows everything about us and everything that our name packs. All our history, all that baggage you may be carrying, all that stuff that's back there in the back that you think nobody knows. And you know better. We all know better. He knows all of that and still says, Please come. Welcome home. So Jesus knows our name and all that it bears. And here's the cool thing. Jesus loves us to use his name, doesn't he? Pray in my name, he says, in the burning bush. God comes to Moses. And Moses, I don't know your personal name. Thinking God would never tell him. And God says, oh yeah, it's Yahweh. You know, it must have just blown him away. And he, God says, I want you to use my name to pray, to praise, to give thanks. I want you to do that. But please know that I know your name also. I know your name. And so that leads me to the third one because there's a sidebar here with Ananias. Isn't he an interesting one? We could have done a second sermon or two sermons here called by name, right? So Saul is the one we're focusing on. But there's this other guy, Ananias. Isn't it a great scene? So Ananias is in Damascus. He gets a vision. Yes, Lord. He's like, oh, wow, I got a vision. Cool. Yes, Lord, what do you want? Go help this Saul dude. 
we don't like him. Because he don't like us. Right? Did you catch it? Uh, I mean, it's so hilarious, isn't it? It's like, God, didn't you know this? This guy's been going around arresting us, dragging people off into prison. This is a problem. You want me to go there and not condemn him? See? I think Ananias would have been all in if he had said, I need you to be my instrument of vengeance. And he'd have been all over that. Isn't that crazy for Christians too? There's a course reversal for us. God is never calling you to be his agent of vengeance. Never. Not once. He does call to us to show love. Sometimes it's hard love, but to show love. And that's what he does here to Paul. To a man who is now blind, sitting in the dark, he is completely in the dark, and yet this and yet this Christian, this follower of the way, has been asked to come and restore him. And here's the point that I wanted you to note this on three. Ananias is also called by name. I wonder if you pray ever in the morning. Ananias is not called to minister to Saul for like the next ten years. Sometimes I think we're nervous about making ourselves available to God because we think that it's like a life sentence. God's going to ask me to do something like teach Sunday school and I'll never get out of it again. You know, that's not the case. In this moment, God calls Ananias and says, I got a job for you. And it's not a job Ananias wants, but here's the thing. Who do you know? Who do you think? Do you think, possibly, that God may be longing for you to be ready for him to call your name and say, I got somebody today I need you to pray for. I got somebody today I need you to go say hello to. I got someone I need you to invite to the living nativity or whatever. If you're not praying that way in the morning, are you ready to hear God's voice? So there's my little discipleship challenge. Pray in the morning. God, if you're going to call to me like Ananias, just make me ready. Make me ready. Whatever it is, make me ready. Because here's the cool thing, and this was a thing I had never noticed. I've read this thing a hundred times, I bet. Ananias walks into the room with this declared hated enemy of the followers of Christ. And what's the first thing he says to him? Brother Saul. Hey, that is way cool. I never noticed. I never, you get the implication? It's not, Saul, you're on probation. We're going to see if, if you're lying to us. It's not. It's immediate. Brother Saul. Now, does Ananias maybe, is he really feeling it? Maybe not. And yet he calls him Brother Saul. It's an immediate thing. He's not in a trial period. He's not on probation. He is longing to be part of that. This is a little side note here I want to make. When Jesus uses the term, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You know he's talking about us, don't you? Why do you persecute those who call on my name? Why do you persecute them? And so what I love about this is Jesus calls us into family. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being part of this together where we see each other, we talk to each other, we can greet each other, we can spend some time together. And if you're joining us online, thank you for joining us that way. But I will say that, and please know this, side note, sidebar, we are never going to stop the stream. 
I've got colleagues that are saying, I'm quitting the stream because it makes it too easy for people to stay home. And I say, I don't care. They can stay home. I want them here. It's better here. I don't know. I'm just telling you. It's better in person. And so it's better. It's a good thing. They're important things. But I would, if you're not going to be here, I want you there. Check it out. Last week, we had almost 650 people tune in to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last week. Between all of us, in person, online. This, and so my point, my point is, though, is that what God is saying, what Jesus is saying is, why do you persecute me? It's my body. It's my family. It's all of us together. He's brother Saul right now. Because Jesus knew all the past, and he knew what was to come. And he is brother Saul immediately, and so are you. And so now is a time, this is a great time. It's a way when people come that we welcome one another. We go out of our way to welcome. We invite we go out of our way. We, and if someone invites you to something, accept it. Don't wait for four more invitations. In, accept it and jump in. You never know who God is going to put in your path. Do you think Ananias thought that he was going to put the greatest missionary to the Gentile world in his path? And that became part of his life. Last point, last point. So in the, in, as we've been doing this series, God changes people's names periodically. In the Old Testament, remember Abram, and he became Abraham, father of nations, or Jacob, who became Israel, or, uh, let's see, um, oh, and then Simon, in the New Testament, becomes Peter. They're given a new name by God, or even a nickname, like Jesus renames James and John the Sons of Thunder. Saul doesn't get a new name from Jesus. Or does he? Here's the cool thing. Because you know what? When you became a follower of Christ, whenever that was, an infant, along the way, just a few weeks ago, whatever it is, and you might be saying, man, I wish he would give me a new name. That would be cool. That would be special if God would give me a new name. Guess what? You did get one. It was in baptism. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. This is the last word I want to give you, and it's good news. He got a new name. It was God's name. God put his name on Paul, on Saul. And when Saul got God's name, he went out and spoke in his name. So we're no longer trying to overcome our old name and all that history and all that baggage. Instead, Christ is rejoicing in the gift of his name to us. And that's the name we bear with joy, with humility, but also with passion. To God be the glory, now and always. Amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.